And, and what I was determined to do is that I was not going to be silenced by any of the critics in the community about what I believe is one of the major issues that, that Black America is facing today, which is the issue of urban violence. And we cannot put our head in the sand and ignore this problem when we have had six years of record-breaking violence in Indianapolis and over 80% of the homicide victims are Black and over 80% of the suspects are Black. So how do we turn this around as a community and how do we hold people accountable who are in positions of, of, of power? Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. Been looking forward to this one for a while. I have on Dr. Reverend Charles Harrison. I have been following his work for quite some time. Matter of fact, you'll get to this in the intro. I almost didn't want to overdo the how much I appreciate his work in the intro, but I have been following him for quite some time, and he has been doing the hard work. And in this episode, um, he doesn't hold back. He There is a crisis going on in in my city, which is Indianapolis. and But what he represents is bigger than that. It's what's going on in, in a lot of places. And he has a lot of opinions and, and solutions. And, and I think it's at the heart of why we're having him on this podcast. At the heart of what we do on innovation and entrepreneurship and, and is seeing problems as opportunities. And, and I, I, I hesitate to say that because opportunity and opportunistic are two different things. And I think Charles and I get into this, that there are opportunities to weigh, there are opportunities to make our neighborhoods and our cities better, but at the same time, not being opportunistic. And, and we really delve into that. And at the same time, I also just really want to impress upon you that if you're listening to this and if this weighs in your heart, um, 10 Point Coalition does their own fundraising. And, and I think that they need help. Uh, and after you know doing this interview, um, after the show, we talked even longer about the fact of uh, I really want to help guys that do. Charles is not talking. Charles is doing. The 10 Point Coalition, how they go out and serve the community will inspire you. So enough gabbing on my end. This is one I know you're going to find compelling. Um, as always, if you want to share this, this is um, really important to us. And that if you know city leaders or people that are into um, making their city better or, or cutting down on youth violence, uh, please make sure you pass on this episode to them. So without further ado, the Dr. Reverend Charles Harrison. Welcome back to another edition of the Started Up podcast. I have been looking forward to this one for a while um, a lot of you guys know that I live in central Indiana, um, most notably around the Indianapolis area. And there has been one person in the last, I've probably followed this gentleman for about three years. Um, his Reverend Charles Harrison, he is uh, a minister at a church. We'll talk about that here in a second, but he's also helped start the 10 point coalition. And um, he's been one of those beacons of hope on providing solutions, not just rhetoric. So that's a lengthy introduction to you, Mr. 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 Harrison. Okay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be a part of the show tonight. Thank you. So um, let's jump right in it. So um, I'm, I'm I've done some research. Is it Barnes uh, uh, United Methodist? Help me yes, out. Yes, Barnes United Methodist Church uh, on the west side of Indianapolis. Very good. I was doing that from memory. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> and and. Um, I will say be, before I start turning things over to you, you um, other than being a minister, you have used social media as a tool to start dialogue. Uh, that's a fair mm -hmm. statement, correct? 
Right, correct. Okay. So let's go back two steps even further than that because 10 point coalition outdates social media. Right. Um, so tell us a little bit about 10 point coalition and how it was born and why it was born. Well, the Indianapolis 10 point coalition uh, was started uh, really in 1999. Uh, the city of Indianapolis had just experienced a homicide record. I think that year we had 162 homicides and 143 criminal homicides. And I was invited to a meeting that was sponsored by the city of Indianapolis. And it was a part of the Front Porch Alliance, which was um, kind of a faith-based piece of, um, you know, uh, Mayor uh, Goldsmith's administration. So I, I went to this large community meeting um, the church that night was packed, and they had brought in um, two ministers from Boston uh, to talk about the Boston Ten Point Coalition, uh, Reverend uh, Eugene Rivers and Reverend Jeffrey Brown. And they were talking about how the church in Boston, in the Dorchester area, had gotten engaged in helping to try to curb urban youth violence. Um, you know, they had experienced a lot of violence in, in that in that neighborhood and in the city of Boston. So the church partnered with law enforcement, um, with the uh, court system, uh, with businesses and community stakeholders to address what was a growing problem. And within a two and a half year period of time, um, Boston uh, in the Dorchester neighborhood went um, two years without a youth homicide. Just a remarkable story. It was called the Boston Miracle. So as I'm listening to that story that night and the role that ministers played in going out on the streets uh, at 10 o'clock at nighttime to one or two o'clock in the morning on Friday and Saturday nights, it, it, it reminded me of what had happened to me as a, a young teenager uh, when my brother was killed at the age of 21 in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, never forget that night uh, when uh, we received a phone call that my older brother had been killed. Um, and and, and I, I remember that because I, I was uh, awakened by um, the, the, the crying um, and the screaming that was coming from my parents, um, you know, to hear the news. And, uh, and, and I remember... Uh, when my brother was killed, I was a 14-year-old teenager who wanted to seek revenge against those who had killed my brother. You know, in the community, um, in the neighborhood, you hear who was responsible for it. And sometimes it never gets to police, but you do hear in the community. And the individual that killed my brother uh, had the gall to show up uh, at the wake uh, and embrace my parents and cried with my parents as if they were grieving the loss of my brother when they were the ones responsible for it. And they even showed up at the funeral the next day and they sat with the family. So I'm just fuming, you know, knowing what really happened. Never told my parents, but, but I wanted to retaliate against them with some friends of mine uh, and to do to them what they had done to my brother. Uh, they got out in the community and there was a group of men who intervened in my life and the life of, of uh, us young men. So 
you know, when I thought about what happened to me and how my life was saved, um, I thought about what they were doing in Boston. And if they were successful in Boston in curbing the pattern of violence and putting young people on a pathway of success, it reminded me of how my life was put on a pathway of success because individuals cared enough about me, adults, that they intervened in my life so that if they were successful in Boston, if some men were successful in the Jeffersonville, Louisville area in my life, that we could do something like that in Indianapolis. So um, the next day after uh, that event uh, with the Boston pastors, uh, I called two of my colleagues up, um, Reverend Clarence Moore, the pastor of uh, uh, New Era Church, and then Father Walden, who was the um, the pastor of Holy Angels Catholic Church, and we started a conversation about could we replicate replicate the Boston Ten Point model, replicate that in Indianapolis, um, and get other ministers involved, where us ministers would start walking the streets uh, in the United Northwest area on Friday nights. Um, we started making phone calls, and we got uh, seven other pastors involved. Um, so we formed what is known today as the Indianapolis Ten Point Coalition. Uh, it was made up uh, originally of 10 churches, then we added five other churches, so it was about 15 churches, and we formed the coalition, and the focus was to address um, the pattern of urban youth violence as it impacted young men of color between the ages of 12 and 24, um, because young men of color between that age, uh, the leading cause of death is homicides. And almost 50% of all deaths of, of black males between the ages of 14 and 24 are homicides. So um, this was a major concern that we had and Indianapolis was beginning to experience that. So we contacted the city. Um, Isaac Randolph, who was the director of uh, um, Front Porch Alliance, and we let them know that we were interested in replicating the, the Boston 10-point model in Indianapolis. Um, so they made contact with Reverend Rivers. He came to Indianapolis. He started meeting with us. They started doing training and taught us how to do the model. And in um, January of uh, uh, 1999, we kicked off the Indianapolis 10-point coalition in, in several areas. Focus on the United Northwest area, the Crown Hill area, and the Mapleton Fall Creek area. Those were the three areas that we focus on. And we had teams going out on Friday and Saturday nights in those areas from about 10 o'clock to about one o'clock in the morning, uh, engaging gang members, drug dealers, uh, and individuals that were part of neighborhood cliques. And, and that was our focus. And in our first year, we had remarkable results. We've seen a 40% reduction in homicides in all three of those neighborhoods. So that's how we knew that what we were doing was effective. So first of all, thank you for sharing that story. Um, I'd, I'd known a little bit about the story of your brother, but uh, didn't, didn't know the full details. Um, so, man, there's a lot of things I, I, I want to ask. Um, in, in some ways, what was what do you think the secret sauce was when the the first thing you saw from the Boston Ten Point Coalition um, was that one thing? Other than the fact that you guys were clergy and you had access to kids and you wanted to walk and talk and have a dialogue, 
what was that other thing that really like said there, that's it. That's what really, that's why I think they're successful. Well, I, I think it's caring. I, I think when you're out on the streets and you are engaging young people and, and for a lot of young people, just like myself, you know, my biological father uh, uh, abandoned our family when I was two years old. And then for a lot of us uh, young African-American males, we don't have that father figure or positive male role model in our lives. I was lucky, my mother married, uh, and, and I got that from my stepdad and, and my grandfather, but a lot of young men don't. And the fact that we were out on the streets um, and we kept going you know, every week and engaging these young people <clears throat> and we cared about them. And we had three primary goals while we were out there. One, um, how could we keep young teenagers uh, in school? And for those who were not in school, how did we get them back in school? For those who were out of high school and, and who were not working, we started partnering um, with companies and providing job training and job opportunities because you have to have uh, an option on alternative for young people if you're going to ask them to put the gun down and the pockets down. You got to have an alternative for them. So we really started focusing on uh, how could we get them off the streets into a viable job. Uh, and for those who didn't have skills, how could we get them skilled up and trained um, so that they could start working and have a viable job rather than hanging out on the streets, selling drugs yeah. and being involved in criminal activity. And, and that was uh, and that was the success. Most of the kids knew who we were because we were pastors in the community uh, and many of us pastor pretty large churches. So we were encountering the kids um, through church initiatives. Uh, but we really never got to know the kids. We might see the kids yeah. at some event at the church. Uh, but we really never got to know them. Or as we were driving through the community back and forth to work, uh, you know, to to, uh, um, to, to our churches. Um, but when we started hitting the streets, and it took us a while because at first they kind of resisted us. And, and it took us uh, several months to really start building relationships with the kids. And that is the key, building yeah. a solid relationship with the young people, you know, so yeah. that they feel like you really care about them. Uh, you know, is <laughs> Charles, there's, there's a saying in teaching, and it's the same thing you're talking about. Uh, kids don't care how much they know, how much you know, until they know how much you care, right. which is what you're talking about. What yeah. I really liked about that is, is that, you know, I, I just kind of want to demonstrate to the audience that this, this isn't just you walking the streets on Friday and Saturday evenings. There's a lot there. And, and even though you started off by saying there's care, there's programming, there's right. pathways to success. I mean, right. it's the one thing that, you know, as our organization, as a nonprofit, and, and quite frankly, I want to work more with you. It, we're trying to show students that problems can be viewed as opportunities, opportunities for solutions. And, and, and mind you, our, our banner is under entrepreneurialism. But right. what you've done is entrepreneurial. Right, 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 it, right, it, right. It may be a nonprofit, but it's right. creating. Well, I mean, brass tacks. The students, the, sorry, the, the kids you're working at or working with are better taxpayers. Right, right. Uh, they, they, they're creating. They're creating opportunities instead of problems, and, right. and and so that's one of the things that I've always just admired about you. Let's get into the ugly part of this, though. Um, you have used social media to point out things. You have been, in my humble opinion, wonderful about not just pointing out the problems, 
the problem, and I'll state it for you, Indianapolis had a record year this year for homicides. And the vast majority were, um, what, Brightwood, Havel. I mean, some of, the, some of the places that you guys service. And then you were begging for help. So not only were you not just saying, hey, there's a problem out there, but you're like, I would like some assistance and some help. And 10 points cannot do this on their own. But I saw, I saw a lot of, um, I, I saw a lot of finger wagging that you were pointing out the obvious. And, and that's when I was really starting to like, I, I've never seen somebody, well, I shouldn't say never. I, seldomly have I seen somebody trying to help the community. But when you would point out, like, and unfortunately, and, I, and I'll say it for you, every time there was a homicide, you, that next morning you're like, I cannot believe this. We're on record pace. Something has to be done. Here's what we're trying to do. How did you weigh through that emotionally when sometimes you were being attacked by others for simply saying there's a problem and we need help? Well, when you have been on the other side of, of this issue, like me, um, because not only was my brother killed, my brother at the time he was killed had a six-month-old son. Um, Jawan ended up following in the same footsteps of his father and ended up dying at the age of 27. So my brother was killed at 21. Jawan was killed at, at 27. So, and then I had cousins killed. I had a sister spent over 20 years in prison. So, so I know the pain of this, determined to do is that I was not going to be silenced by any of the critics in the community about what I believe is one of the major issues that, that Black America is facing today, which is the issue of urban violence. And we cannot put our head in the sand and ignore this problem when we have had six years of record-breaking violence in Indianapolis and over 80% of the homicide victims are Black, and over 80% of the suspects are Black. So how do we turn this around as a community, and how do we hold people accountable who are in positions of, of, of power? From 2009 to 2012, four years in a row, under 100 um, um, criminal homicides, and I think the success of it was we had a more holistic strategy of addressing not only the street violence, but the root causes. And neighborhood groups were on the front line getting the resources who are directly interfacing with the individuals who are most likely to be involved, either as a suspect or the victim in the violence. And in 2013, um, the city county council decided to change strategies and take the money, uh, crime prevention dollars, which was $5 million, that ministers came up with the idea under the Peterson administration as a way to try to get in front of the violence. It was being successful. The council changed it, gave it to foundations that changed the whole uh, way money was given out. And we started in 2013 seeing an increase in the violence. And, and now we're at a point where, you know, the city has, has now uh, went over 200 homicides. I think that if we don't change uh, our strategy in the next few years, we could see 300 homicides in Indianapolis could become the next St. Louis, Baltimore, uh, Detroit, um, you know, in this country. And, and that's why I'm so vocal, because I know 
that we can do this if we have the right strategy. Um, but if nobody else is talking about it, I made the decision that I'm going to talk about it and I'm prepared to take the heat uh, by being vocal about this problem um, that is crippling our city and, and dramatically impacting Black families in Indianapolis. The, the passion in your voice, um, the story behind it is compelling. Um, I, I, one of the reasons I've been wanting you to be on this podcast, uh, not that this is an Indianapolis centric podcast, matter right. of fact, we probably have greater following in other States Okay, <laughs> that, may, that well, actually by a wide margin, we yeah, are heard, yeah. uh, in actually 75 countries, but, um, wow. Wow. uh, but I, I, I think what you represent is bigger than Indianapolis. Right. And, and I also think that you said several things here that, that stood out one, um, I'll take the heat. Why uh, you've mentioned before in some other tweets, some people are just remaining silent because they don't want define the heat, the, the the criticism you're taking, and why is it criticism? Like I, I'm sitting here thinking, who could be against this? Like who who could be against somebody saying, hey, we have a problem, we need to have more opportunities, and we and and we need to cut down on violence. What sort of heat is there? Well, I, I think I think it, it comes from several different places. One is, I am talking about an issue that some in the the black community um, see as a taboo that we ought not to be talking about this publicly because when we talk about it and it impacts um, the black community at such a disproportionate rate it then feeds into historical stereotypes of black men in this country. So they would rather see me talk about the positive things that are going on rather than uh, the negative part of urban violence. I, I think number two, um, because I get so much media attention, it is perceived by some that the media has anointed me as the leader of the black community which causes pushback from other leaders, both elected officials, uh, clergy leaders, and community leaders that my voice does not represent um, the Black community. And I have never claimed that. I speak as Pastor Harrison of Barnes United Methodist Church and um, Charles Harrison as the leader of the Indianapolis 10 Point Coalition on our perspective and view and then thirdly, because 10 Point was started under a Republican administration, though with black preachers who happen all to be Democrats, we have been labeled as a Republican group by Democrats, and we have never gotten the support of the Marion County Democratic Party. So we have been at odds with one another from day one because they see this as political. Fourthly, because I thought about running for mayor, many see what I do as only a political ploy uh, to position myself to run for mayor of the city. Um, so those are the real four things that, that really drives the attacks against me um, and 10 point uh, in the community. And the goal is to smear us because when you look at the last uh, really five years, when 10 point, we, we tweaked our, our strategy so from going to having ministers that just walked to, to having ministers and OGs. So we started taking individuals who once was a part of the problem, many who went to prison, 
um, you know, ex-offenders and and who know everybody in the community, even the individuals who are involved in the crime. And then we put them on the street. Well, you know, Butler Tarkington, we went three out of five years without a homicide. Highland Percentage, four out of five years without a homicide. Crown Hill, two out of five years without a homicide. We are uh, less than 35 days away from going uh, two out of three years on the far east side uh, without a homicide. Uh, we're in the area between 42nd and Midhopper, the 42nd and German Church, 38th and Midhopper, the 38th and German Church. We're like 35 days away from going a year without a homicide after they had five homicides in the, in the carriage house apartments. So, so that's the kind of work we do in partnership with law enforcement. And I say that's the other piece, the fact that we work so yeah. closely with law yeah. enforcement, yeah. and you have this polarization between the black community and law enforcement. I get criticism yeah. for being a supporter of law enforcement. So I like I will speak for you on this one, so you don't have to. Although you've done a wonderful job of it already, um, let me go over on some of the categories you went over, and and probably why I've been. And and for the record, and and you're a man of faith, so when I say I swear to God, you know that I'm not taking it lightly. I swear to God, I have not, I have publicly not talked to Reverend Harrison before the show. I have shared some tweets. I have shared an email. So we have not cooperated here, and he has not, under any circumstances, uh, forced me to say the following things. But I've been following your career for at least five years. Um, And and as a uh, middle-aged white man, right, I've seen what you've done as maybe the most balanced and nuanced and non-monetized thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, when I started noticing some of the vitriol coming after you, I, I had a hard time understanding it because you could be monetizing the living daylights out of this. I have seen you do work trying to unite people. And I think one of the things that I just have a hard time watching is that what you're alluding to, well, you don't stand with the Democratic Party enough. I haven't seen you stand with the Republican Party either. I've just seen messaging saying, I want to help kids. And you've had the audacity, I'm saying this in air quotes, to work with the police and say, how can we help each other out? And that's the thing that has broken my heart is because I love Indianapolis. I'm 40 years old. I was born here. want to continue to see the city thrive, but it is not thriving now. Right, right. There are parts of the city that have been taken over and it's been sad to watch. And when I see people, and and I'll say one of the days where I said, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to reach out to you. And I'm paraphrasing, but about two months ago, I think that you wrote something like, and I think it was on Twitter, of like, I am so tired of being called an Uncle Tom to be serving the community like this. Some variation of that tweet. Because I was like, and and that's when it was first, because I didn't know, again, I followed your work, but I don't exactly read the comments, right? So I'm just thinking everybody's adoring what you do. And then I did see it, no, I did see an uptick. And all of a sudden I started really digging in. And then quite frankly, you for lack of a better term, went kind of viral this year. Um, There is a, for those of you that aren't in Indianapolis area, there is a conservative-ish talk show or a talk radio, um, the WIBC. And all of a sudden, some of the people on WIBC are like starting to quote Charles Harrison. And in some ways, my heart sank because I I think that they meant well, but all of a sudden, once again, oh, you must be on the Republican side of the ticket. When that radio station is is talking about you, but I'll even say on the couple times that I heard them talk, it was like good for him. By no means did they say he's one of us or he's a Republican or this right, or that. But right, so right. it's been really, really disheartening to see 
not just the polarization of this, but the politicalization of I'm trying to help kids. Well, you may not be democratic enough. Right, and right, that has right, been right. Really tough to see. The, the 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 last part about this is is that when I know that there could even be some obstructionists that's literally affecting lives because let's just take your personality out of it or right, what right. they perceive to be your um, right. political affiliation. Right. You guys have yeah. statistical data backing up that what you do right not just not let's just let, let's go negative and positive a the negative is fewer people die and right. positive is there are more impact and then quite frankly and this sounds heartless but financial impact you right, guys are right. helping kids and I, I don't want to sound this terrible but like you're helping young men become better taxpayers right 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 i right, mean right, you're right. you're getting your kids on the good so it's been really frustrating to watch you fight this battle, but I, 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 again, the vast majority of people listening to this are not from Indianapolis. So somebody's listening to this right now. Do you think a 10 point coalition a should be started in other cities and B do you have to be clergy to want to do this? Well, no, you don't. We, we do have uh, 10 points in other cities. Um, um, Fort Wayne, for instance, started a 10-point under the mayor's office, Mayor Tom Henry, um, through um, one of their major initiatives in Fort Wayne called Fort Wayne United. And Ira Hadley, who's the director of it, um, met with us. They, they looked at what we were doing in Annapolis. They implemented uh, the model in Fort Wayne in the Oxford neighborhood. Um, they have now gone, have gone uh, two years and two months in the Oxford neighborhood without a homicide. Mayor Henry's so impressed with it in Fort Wayne, he wants to replicate the model all over the city. So they have basically um, asked me to be in a consultant for the city of Fort Wayne. I'm gonna be working with them as soon as we get past COVID a little bit to replicate the model in other hotspot areas. Uh, we do have 10 point in the Glen Park neighborhood in uh, Gary. Um, we're mm. going to launch a 10 point in Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. Uh, the Attorney General of Ohio and the governor are supportive of that. And uh, the long term goal is to launch it in Akron, Canton, Dayton, um, and other um, uh, cities uh, in Toledo, uh, Youngstown, in Ohio. Um, so we're looking at Indiana, Ohio. And then we want to expand from there after working with those uh, uh, at these two states, because I think we've gotten like 46 requests from cities all across the country. Okay. We just don't have the means yet to expand to all of those cities across the country. But we are getting demands, even from Chicago. We just don't have the ability right now um, and the staff to expand uh, and monitor the work of all those 10 points across the country. I hate to bring this up. Um, but I will anyway. When you said the mayor of Fort Wayne, I Googled that and I see that he's a Democrat. Did that make things easier? Well, it, the, the only city in the country, uh, just about all of those cities are Democratic mayors. The only city where we're having trouble with Democrats is Indianapolis. The only <laughs> city. <laughs> uh, all because, you, well, I'll, I'll say it because the origin was is that who started it first. And, and yeah. I, I it's, anyway. I'm 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 I, I'm not going to discuss the the merit right now and the okay. the, the goings on of the current mayor, but um, okay. I, I do find that a little bit uh, small and petty. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, hey, look, um, I 
without just sounding like I'm pandering, I, I enjoy the work you're doing. The fact that you guys are now getting requests from other cities. Um, please let me know how I can help. Heck, I would like to get, you know, I don't know, we can talk off air, but you know, I get students together all the time and we create solutions for nonprofits. Um, we get students from all over the various, actually we're starting chapters in a lot of different other cities, but they listen to the problems of nonprofits and they have an evening to kind of like come up with solutions. So maybe we can do a night where some sure, of our students can sure, work with you. Sure, sure. Um, but boy, uh, do I hope that um, in any way, shape, or form, this podcast can give some help. So, man, people have listened to this, uh, which, by the way, let me, let me throw out one more thing. I also like the fact that you're a, um, you're a minister who uses social media. Like, I peek <laughs> in on you quite a bit. You live stream Bible studies from Barnes. Uh, yes. Wednesday nights? Wednesday nights, yes. Yeah, okay, yes, see, yes, again, yes, yes, I, I, you yes. see me peeking in every day. If you don't, I'll say hi. Well, well, the, well thanks to my children. I have I have uh, four <laughs> children, and I and have more tech savvy than you. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. My my oldest daughter was, was the one that really got me started on social media. Um, and once <laughs> I got started, I enjoyed it. Well, I hey, I hope you do it more just because, again, I wouldn't know you. Right, right. Uh, I, you know, I... Uh, but, and, and, and I think that even some of the press you're getting is for one reason, you are consistent, you are unbiased. I, I dare and say, well, daring that you've, um, you know, Hey, you can have your politics, but this is the reality and we need to do something about it and have an open discussion and, and, and bring some value. So I, I, again, pleased that well, we did this podcast. So I've rambled on here. We've talked about you and your, your background, tell everybody some of the best places they can find you and your work. Um, you can really find me, you know, my work. I, I'm very active on Facebook. I'm very active on, on Twitter and, and you can uh, look me up there. Um, um, I'm probably going to get even more active on, on Twitter, um, because I, I want to continue to be a voice, um, on Twitter, um, through, um, Reverend Charles Harrison. That's where you can find me on Twitter. Uh, sometimes, uh, there's a lot of us that post under Indy 10 points. So sometimes it's me. Sometimes to some of the other board members of Ten Point, uh, and uh, we just started a new organization called uh, Ten Point Midwest, and it's a, a combination of Ten Point leaders from across the Midwest: um, Kokomo, um, uh, Gary, Fort Wayne, um, Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, we are making up this group called Ten Point Midwest. Oh, um, cool. and, and we want to expand, expand that. So uh, there are some other cities that are now uh, forming 10 point like like uh, South Bend, uh, South Bend. And we're going to hope to launch sometimes in 2021 once we get past COVID and Evansville. That's another city where we're working with a group of leaders in Evansville. Um, so, um, you know, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, certainly at Barnes United Methodist Church uh, mm -hmm. is where my office is. You can reach me at uh, 317-923-9197. Um, um, uh, my email address is revharrison at aol.com. So you can email me, uh, call me, reach me on Twitter or Facebook, and I will get back with you. And for those of you keeping score at home, uh, on Twitter, it's at Charles Harris. And instead of the O-N, it's O-5. So yes. C-H-A-R-L-E-S-H-A-R-R-I-S-O, the number five. That's where you can find him, see all of his work. 
I, uh, I hope, I hope we get a lot of, uh, feedback from the show. I hope that a lot of people inquire about how they can help. Maybe how they, maybe their city's looking into it. Um, many blessings hey, on you, sir. The other thing that, that, um, citizens can help is that we have, have gotten some requests from IMPD Northwest district. So mm -hmm. I had a conversation today with the district commander. We are looking to expand. So there are several hotspot areas on the west side of Indianapolis, um, around 34th and Molar Road, 34th and High School, uh, 38th and High School, um, you know, West 10th Street. So we are trying to uh, expand. So um, for those who are interested in supporting us, um, you can uh, look on Twitter, a website, and uh, also uh, on Facebook to, to make contributions. We have to raise money ourselves because we really don't get any financial support from the city anymore. So we have to raise all of that money ourselves. And what that does, we give small stipends to individuals that volunteer to, to work um, the streets or, or, or volunteer to patrol the streets for 10 point. And, and believe me, it is a very dangerous job what they do. Most of them have their regular eight hour jobs. Sometimes they go home and grab a bite to eat and then go on the streets for us uh, for two hours. And most of them do it three nights a week. So uh, we just have great respect for the heroes, men and women who make this sacrifice from all walks of life. The world needs more. By the way, you're also nice enough to not point out the fact that I forgot Dr. Reverend Charles Harrison. Oh, you have your doctorate. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Harrison, I, man, uh, appreciate your time. Uh, hope we get a lot of feedback. We'll talk off air as well on how, okay. on how we can help, but thank you so, so, so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me.